Well, hello, everyone. Uh, Preacher Rick here. Welcome you to the hills. All of you in person at Keller, West Fort Worth, North Christian Hills, all of you watching online into our online community. If you're in town on uh, Christmas Eve or Christmas Eve, please join our candlelight services and bring a friend. No matter where they are on their journey with Jesus, they will leave closer. It'll be a blessing. Our mission as a church is to make and grow followers of Jesus, and we're doing it through our vision of asking for nations and generations. So I need to take a moment and thank all of you who this weekend have poured into the next generation. At West Fort Worth and North Richmond Hills campus, we had a Christmas uh, musical last night with our children that I attended, and it was stellar. And they will remember this all their lives. So all of you that work with our children, thank you for that. And then I was also at the Keller campus for Breakfast with Santa, and it was wonderful. And so many people from that campus served and volunteered. So again, all of you that are taking time this busy season to serve the next generation, I just want to say thank you. I hope we can pour into the next generation the kind of courage they're going to need. We're in a series called Fearless Christmas. And the premise of the series is this. If God really has come our way, then our fears should start to go away. That Christmas calls us to be courageous. We said last time we live in a world in bondage to the tyranny of timidity. Fear sells. I can promise you in 2024, fear will be in every headline. We'll go through an election season and both parties will send the same message. Not this is our hope for the future, but this is why you should be afraid if the other side wins. We are a culture in bondage to fear. I believe a community full of cheer would be a great witness to a people full of fear. And as we raise up this next generation, we must not model for them a bland, risk-adverse, frightened version of discipleship. That's what I was delighted to hear. Last October, our children go through something in their programs called Kid Story, where the teacher tells a story from the Bible, then the kids repeat the story, and then they process what the kids are hearing from that story. So the story that Sunday was Jesus uh, casting a legion of demons out of a man in Mark chapter 5. And then the kids retold the story. And then it was time to process. And one child said, can I be possessed with demons? And the teacher brilliantly replied, well, what do y'all think? Let's talk. And so they began to talk about the Bible stories they've heard recently. About when Jesus cast demons out of people. Giving his disciples authority to cast demons out. The spirit coming in power on Pentecost and filling men and women. And one fourth grade boy summed it up like this. I don't think we should be afraid of demons. I think demons should be afraid of us. Hallelujah. That's what I want to see happen in the next generation. Every leading character in the Christmas story was charged to be fearless, including the youngest. So today we're going to look at a person that had the leading role. And she would be in our student ministry today. Not, I'm saying leading the ministry. She would be a student in the ministry. The teacher asked the four-year-olds in her Bible class, can you name Jesus' parents? And one boy said, well, his daddy was named Verge. She said, why do you say that? Well, you're always talking about Virgin Mary. 
where we're going to talk about Virgin Mary today. Because she has a lot to say to us about fearless surrender. So I'm going to read a text like I often do. And I hope you'll enter the text with solemnity and awe. There are just some sections of Scripture that when you read them, you should have to step back and catch your breath because of the wonder of what you just read. This is that kind of text. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was buried, but she's conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Wow. I never cease to be stunned when I think that God's entire redemptive plan hinged on the willingness of a teenage girl to submit to it. And Mary could have chosen to abort God's purposes for her because of fear. How is she going to explain being pregnant to her parents? How is she going to tell Joseph? What look can she expect from the local rabbi the next time he sees her? What are all the people in town going to talk behind her back? You know that wedding she's thought through since she was a little girl and the whole town was going to be invited and they were going to party for a week? Well, you could throw that away. I mean, she's got a lot of reasons to be afraid. She knew from the beginning this assignment would be tough. When they take baby Jesus to the temple to dedicate him, a prophetess is there. And this is what she speaks over Mary. A sword will pierce your very soul. God is asking Mary to surrender to an incredibly difficult assignment. And she had good reasons to be afraid. And here's the thing about fear. Fear can always find reasons to legitimize the unsurrendered life. If you don't want to say yes to the big thing God is asking of you, there will always be reasons that make sense, that be cautious can always make more sense than be courageous. But here's the price we pay for our caution. And that is a failure to experience the power of God doing miracles in us and through us. I thought of an incident when I prepared this teaching. 
I was called to this church over 34 years ago. I was at another church in another city. And at that time, this church had an incredible debt problem. Bankruptcy was a possibility. There was tension in leadership. Morale in the church was low. And every person whose advice I sought said, why would you want to come to this church? Why would you want to get involved in a mess you didn't create? And I had good reasons to say no. I had a great church that loved me. I loved that church. We had two new babies. We had great friends. I went to see one more person. His name was Rubel Shelley. He was a preacher I admired. And I gave him all the reasons why I should say no. And Rubel looked me in the eye and he said, that's not the reason. The reason you're thinking of saying no is you're afraid. And the Holy Spirit nailed me. And I realized I could not live my life deciding which assignment I will accept from God and which I will refuse based on how afraid it makes me. If I had said no, this church would have prospered. It would have thrived. God would have sent someone else. I'm the one that would have missed out on the wonders and the miracles I've witnessed because I said yes. Mary isn't sure what she's signing up for. She says, I'm the Lord's servant. I hope everything you said about me comes true. But she doesn't understand what that's going to be. But she wasn't asked by God and chosen by God because of her capacity to correctly understand. She was chosen because of her willingness to courageously surrender. Martin Luther said there's three Christmas miracles. God became man. A virgin conceived. And Mary said yes. And she was highly favored because she believed God. And she surrendered to whatever journey that belief required. See, Christmas calls us to make the same pilgrimage with the same amount of courage. That God is going to ask of each of us something that is going to demand Surrender and fear is always going to give you a reason to say that doesn't make sense. But here's the message today. First, don't be afraid of where surrender will take you. You got to understand that evidently heaven doesn't equate favored with easy. Thomas Holmes, a psychologist that developed the stress test, you know, that gives you like 35 points if you lose a job. 50 points if you get married, 25 you move to another city, even 14 points for going through the Christmas season because we all know it's stressful. And, and according to the test, if you add up to 200 points, you're in a place where you could experience a mental breakdown. Well, a Bible teacher named Bridget Coons applied the test to Mary. 50 points just for having a baby. More points for having an unplanned pregnancy away from home with nobody to help you. More points for living in poverty. How many points do you get when a king puts out a hit job on your baby? And she added it all up and she came to a score of 424. Now, even if that's exaggerated, you got to understand that when God said, Mary, you are favored, here's what that meant an unplanned and scandalous pregnancy, an extremely uncomfortable trip late in her pregnancy to a strange city to have a baby with no family around to help. Lifelong poverty. Lifelong subject of gossip and innuendo. 
years as a single parent. Sibling conflict. His brothers thought Jesus had a Messiah complex. And all parents know how tough it is when your grown kids don't get along. Hometown rejection of her firstborn. And and don't forget, Mary was there to watch Jesus be executed. Now, if that's how God treats his favorite, why should any of us be shocked by the challenges that come with discipleship? See, Mary knew she was saying yes to a life of disruption. disruption. Because you cannot follow God and stay where you are. And the thing about God, if you follow him, he doesn't promise that he's going to take you to a place where there's no reason to be afraid. It's like when Jesus is in the sea, walking on it, the disciples are in a boat, it's a terrible storm, and Jesus bids Peter come out to the water. He doesn't say, oh, Peter, wait, 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 wait. Wind, calm down. Wait, be still. Okay, Peter, it's safe now. Come to me. He called him in the midst of a fearful situation. Because God isn't in the business of canceling fearful situations. As much as he's in the business of canceling fear in our hearts when we are in those situations. And he cancels fear by making his presence known. Mary, the Lord is with you. Emmanuel, God is with us. Maybe that's why the best-known line of the best-known song of all time is this. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. I just have to ask, is there some place you haven't gone because you've been afraid? that God's been asking you to visit. You haven't signed up to serve an academy for and mentor a fourth grader or advocate for an asylum-seeking family or just show up at next-gen ministry and bless kids and teenagers. You haven't signed up to join a rooted group or even be in a community group. You're afraid to tithe and trust God with your offerings. You're afraid to pick up the phone and call a counselor and say, we need to come see you and talk about our marriage. Or to go to CR on Thursday night and just say, I've got an addiction. I need some help. Or maybe just to invite the person you office with to come to a candlelight service. And there's always a good reason. You can always find a reason to let fear keep you where you are instead of move where God wants you to go. Let me just remind you, though, God is not sending you. God is going with you. I will not fear because you are close beside me. You know why he's close beside you? Because you're his favorite. But don't confuse favor with easy. Don't let fear keep you from where God wants to take you. And don't be afraid of what surrender will cost you. Because surrender is like pregnancy. It's typically accompanied with both joy and pain. And God is going to stretch Mary in more ways than one. I don't know what she understood. I doubt she understood a lot. But I think she understood this. If I say yes... 
My safe, comfortable, cautious life is gone. But here's the irony. The irony is we want so desperately a life that is promising security that we chase things that give us lives of perpetual insecurity. The sin condemned more than any other in the Bible is idolatry. And what is the appeal of idolatry? It is this. I can give you a safe life. I can give you a comfortable life. I can give you an easy life. We turn from God because the right marriage or the right next marriage or better sex or a better education or perfect kids or the great job is going to give us security. And the problem with all those things is they can all be taken away. Idols can always be lost. So we chase what we want to be secure and the chase makes us perpetually insecure. And here's what Peter says about that. Don't fear the threats, don't be frightened, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. You need to center your life and you need to make as the object of your most fervent worship and pursuit someone you cannot lose. Mary was willing to be a mother because she already had a master. And surrender came with a cost. But unlike the fearful who hear God give them a great assignment and pray the prayer that we've all prayed, Lord, your will be changed. <laughs> Mary prayed the, fear, the prayer of the fearless. Lord, your will be done. It came with a cost, but it brought her the Christ. You can always live fearful. It'll always make sense as you look at it, what you might lose if you live courageously. When you live faithful, you realize there are things I'm going to lose if I live cautiously. And that's what we've got to tell the next generation. Don't give up what it will cost to live a scared life. Gary Hogan, who started International Justice Ministry to rescue kids from sex trafficking, wrote this. After we have poured into our children all the good food and shelter and clothing, after we provided them with great education, discipline, structure, and love, after we worked so hard to provide them every good thing, they turn to us and ask, why have you given all of this to me? And the honest answer for me is, so you'll be safe. And my kid looks up at me and says, really? That's it? You want me to be safe. Your grand ambition for my life is that nothing bad happens. And I think something inside them dies. They either go away to perish in safety or they go away looking for adventure in the wrong places. Jesus, on the other hand, affirms their sense of adventure and their yearning for larger glory. Let's not give the next generation Christianity as a hobby. Christianity is a pitiful hobby. You need a hobby? Get one. Take up sewing. Learn an instrument. Try pickleball. I did. It's a lot of fun. 
But Christianity was never meant to be something you sprinkle on your life to make it a little easier. Christmas reminds us that from the beginning, the story of Jesus is calling us on a journey that is challenging and costly and consuming and so worth it because each step is infused with the presence and the power and the possibility of God. Why do I want to settle for safe and miss the king? And so I read with great delight a testimony given by a man named Daniel Nagari. He's an accomplished children's author. He's also a believer. And here's why. He was born to Muslim parents in Iran. And his mother, a very successful doctor who had a life of privilege and status, became a follower of Jesus. And she put this little cross on her rearview mirror. And she went to her car one day after working in the hospital, and there was a note in her car. Madam doctor, if we see this cross again, we will kill you. And young Daniel is obviously wondering, well, how much does my mother believe in this Jesus person? He writes, my mom took the cross down that day, and then she got a cross so big it blocked half the windshield. And she put it up. Why would anybody live with their head down? Besides, the only way to stop believing something is to deny it yourself, to hide it, to act as if it hasn't changed your life. Another way to say it is that everybody is dying and going to die of something. And if you're not spending your life on the stuff you believe, then what are you even doing? What is the point of the whole thing? It's a tough question because most people haven't picked anything worthwhile. But Daniel's mother did. And she took Daniel and they fled to America, sought asylum, and he became a follower of Jesus because he had a mother that chose mission over safety. Surrender will cost you the life you could settle for, but it'll give you the life you were meant for. See, I believe we were meant for a life where impossible is normal. I believe we were meant for a life where the presence of God is real and we know he is close beside us. I believe we were meant for a life where we're helping to spread a kingdom that will last forever and not building petty little empires that are going to crumble right after we die. I believe we were meant to be participants in the redemptive mission of God. And we can be. But it's going to take surrender. But surrender still brings Christ to the world. The call of Mary is the call of all of us. Will we say yes to God's invitation to be used by the Holy Spirit to carry Christ to a world that needs him? Or will we abort God's purposes for our lives and just see how safe we can stay. I can assure you that fearful Christians are going to make no impact on a world in bondage to the tyranny of timidity. The mission's not for the cautious, it's for the courageous. But if God really has come our way, then shouldn't our fear start to go 
away. I wasn't sure when I wrote this message if anyone would need it. And then I preached it at 8.30 and oh my goodness. I heard from so many in all stages of life. I was especially remember my conversation with a young man first time to our church. He's seven days sober. And the first word he heard in AA was you're going to have to Surrender. And the first word he heard at church is, you're going to have to surrender. And that needs to be the word we tell the next generation. So Erwin McManus, he's been at our men's conference, tells a story when his son was about eight or nine years old. He sent him to a church camp. Thought that'd be a great thing. The kid comes back from camp. He's putting him down for bed one night, and the little boys are frightened. Daddy, stay with me. Don't, I don't want to be in the dark alone. Why? Because of demons, Daddy. See, he went to church camp. They told demon stories. Erwin said, I should have sent him to a pagan camp. They tell ghost stories. <laughs> Daddy, don't leave. I'm afraid of demons. Now, what's Erwin supposed to say? He's supposed to lie and say, oh, demons, they're not real. He's supposed to tell the truth and say, oh, demons are real. Satan's the prince of darkness. He's probably got people here right now watching us. son said, Daddy, please pray I'll be safe. But Erwin didn't want to raise a boy to worship the idol of safety. He said, son, I won't do that. What I will do is pray that you be dangerous. I'll pray that you be so dangerous that demons flee when you come into a room. And the boy said, Daddy, pray that I'm really dangerous. <laughs> Did you know that demons really are afraid of us. Because nothing intimidates the darkness more than a surrendered servant of God who's going to take Christ wherever they go. So church, scare hell this week. Be God's favorite. Let's pray. So, Father, I'm asking your Holy Spirit to apply this teaching with great particularity to each person listening. We all have different challenges. We all have different fears. And you have called each of us to different situations to carry Christ. And so, Father, give each person wisdom and courage to apply this teaching and to be as brave as Mary. And may this Christmas Jesus come to us and may Jesus come through us more powerfully than ever before. We pray in his name. Amen.